The full power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is contained in the Book of Mormon, period. Remember this declaration by Jesus himself. Whoso treasureth up my word shall not be deceived. And in the last days, neither your heart nor your faith will fail you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Book of Mormon podcast. Kevin and Shelby here, as always. Say hello, Kev. Hey, y'all. <laughs> um, so we are in... Oh, this is episode 134. I forgot to say that. 124. Oh, 124. My bad, y'all. I knew there was a four in it. <laughs> but anyway, we are in Alma chapter 34, though, today. So we're going to be talking about Amulek, really, actually. And so just to give us a quick recap, um, and this was something I finally had like a light bulb moment go off in my head this week because we were kind of following the narrative as we kind of do through this run through of the Book of Mormon. And um, Amulek's going to come in in this chapter in 34 and basically back up what Alma has been talking about. Um, you know, faith being a seed, all the things from 32 onto 33 that we discussed uh, yesterday, talking about Zenus and Zenic, you know, the prophets. And so really he bore his testimony at the end of 30, chapter 33. And now we're moving into 34 where Amulek's going to come in and give his second witness. So I don't really know what more there is to catch you up on besides that, right? Yeah, definitely. If you haven't read and or listened to the past couple of chapters, you definitely want to go back. You want to hear everything that's been said by Alma and his brethren to the Zoramites thus far. Mm-hmm. And this is really, this is like, this is where it all comes together. This is where the doctrine of, um, the doctrine of Christ meets teaching to the needs of the Zoramites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I think we're probably, this episode's probably going to be two parts. We'll see. Uh, but we're going to try our best. Yeah. Our goal is to make it through. Um, a good chunk of this chapter yeah. and then next time we can finish up the chapter and also record our discussion about chapter 35 because it's a little bit shorter of a chapter yeah so Plus there's a lot of doctrine in this chapter yeah so there's a lot of stuff a lot of good stuff so kev start us off in verse two amulet comes in he says my brethren i think that it is impossible that you should be ignorant of the things which have been spoken concerning the coming of Christ. And that's, that's kind of a, that's kind of a bold start, right? This is Amulek coming out of the gate saying, you cannot deny what has been said concerning the coming of Christ. It says, uh, or he says, Yea, I know that these things were taught unto you bountifully before your dissension from among us. So remember, the Zoramites are Nephites. They were originally um, of the fold in the land of Zarahemla. 
but they've separated themselves. And as a result, you know, they've, they started perverting the way of the Lord. They started to kind of cherry pick what they wanted to believe, what they didn't want to believe. And uh, something, you know, most grievous is that they took Christ out of it. They said, we don't, we don't believe that there's going to be a Christ. And there's like, <clears throat> they just got it super mixed up. That It was all about them. It was all about their um, election and their holiness. And they, they took the grace of God out of it completely. So that's the first thing that he says unto them. Um, Shelb, what, what were your thoughts from the first couple verses here? You know, to be honest, I didn't have very many thoughts in the beginning. My thoughts really came when we started moving into like six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is the part that I, that I spoke on in the beginning where I remembered the narrative and who Amulek was talking to. Because I, I, I always forgot, I think, I just never read it with this perspective of following the story because I never really read the scriptures in order sometimes. I kind of just like pick and choose. So um, if anything, that was my thought in the beginning was exactly what you just said, Kevin, about who the Zoramites were, what had happened, knowing that they had this knowledge given unto them and then them perverting it, right, or taking not doing it correctly, doing it of their own will. And he, and the reason why I say that is because in verse three, he says, uh, mm, you've desired of my beloved brother, which is Alma, that you should make known unto you what you should do because of your afflictions. And he's like, but he's already spoken unto you to prepare your minds um, and exhorted you unto faith and to patience. And he talks about, again, planting that seed. He said in verse 4 that you would even have so much faith as to even plant the word in your hearts that you may try the experiment of its goodness. So he's just backing up what Alma has said to the Zoramites to plant this seed and continue, right? And he even says in verse 5, which I think this is an indication of a good teacher or I guess, yeah, a good teacher, preacher, however you want to say it. But, And we have beheld that the great question, which is in your mind, is whether the word be in the Son of God or whether there shall be no Christ. So you just like rips it apart to like skin and bones, I feel like, right? Like this is the real question that we know you're asking. And so I'm going to speak to that right now. Yeah. And, and furthermore... He addresses the word. Mm -hmm. he, he addresses the words of the prophets leading up to this point. And he talks about that the word is in Christ unto salvation. He says that he, he reminds them about Alma sharing the words of Zenos, that redemption come, uh, cometh through the Son of God and also upon the words of Zenic, and also 
he has appealed unto Moses to prove that these things are true. That's interesting that Amulek says he, he has also appealed unto Moses. And, you know, sometimes we forget how big of a deal Moses was. Like Moses was to the people, you know, of the, the old. Israelites. Yeah, to the, well, to the people of the Old Testament era, it was basically Joseph Smith. That's how big of a deal it was. He put it all together, right? Yeah. He got the commandments. He created the, he, well, he didn't create the law. He gave the law from God. So, you know, think about it in terms of that. Pretty big. Yeah. So, and in verse eight, he, Amulek testifies of the truthfulness of those things. He says, behold, I say unto you that I do know that Christ shall come among the children of men to take upon him the transgressions of his people and that he shall atone for the sins of the world for the Lord God hath spoken it. Which that answers back in verse five, that great question they have in their mind is whether the word be in the son of God or whether there's no Christ at all. So that to me right there answered, I do know that Christ shall come among the children of men. Right. Like I, I, I am telling you, this is what's happening <laughs> and I'm bearing testimony of it. This is the part where I really, these next few verses, I feel like we could talk about for a very long time and I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but I do want to talk about them. <laughs> so we're going to talk a lot about, I feel like about repentance the atonement of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and how redemption comes through him, how we make those changes. And I think I just want to, can I just read verse 9 and we start there? Yeah. Okay, it says, For it is expedient that an atonement should be made, for according to the great plan of the eternal God, there must be an atonement made, or else all mankind must unavoidably perish. Yea, all are hardened, yea, all are fallen and are lost and must perish except it be through the atonement, which it is expedient should be made. <laughs> I feel like that verse just repeated itself in two different ways, right? The point that it's expedient and that a atonement must be made to save us from our sinful state or our fallen state even, right? Just being fallen man. And so, yeah, I don't know. Kev, do you have thoughts on that? There's two verses that I, I linked here. Mm -hmm. One is in Alma 7, verse 7. For behold, I say unto you, there be many things to come. And behold, there is one thing which is of most or is of more importance than they all. For behold, the time is not far distant that the Redeemer liveth and cometh among his people. There's also 2 Nephi chapter 2, verse 10. And because of the intercession for all, all men come unto God. Wherefore, they stand in the presence of him to be judged of him, according to the truth and holiness which is in him. Wherefore, the ends of the law, which the, which the Holy One hath given 
unto the inflicting of the punishment which is affixed, which punishment that is affixed is in opposition to that of the happiness which is affixed, to answer the ends of the atonement. So there's a lot going on here. Lots of big words, as I like to say. Um, And I had a really, really hard time understanding this as a missionary even. And I I continued to study it because I knew that it was important. This is an important doctrine, the, the atonement of our Savior Jesus Christ and repentance and this law that is being talked about. But I want to read verse 10 really quick and then share some more thoughts and kind of maybe break it down a little bit. So it says, For for it is expedient that there should be a great and last sacrifice, yea, not a sacrifice of man, neither of beast, neither of any manner of fowl, for it shall not be a human sacrifice, but it must be an infinite and eternal sacrifice. And yeah, we'll stop there. So... I think to understand these verses, we have to understand the plan of salvation, right? Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, and and we've talked about the plan of salvation before. I don't think it's, I don't think it is expedient <laughs> that we go f- like too deep into it. But basically, what Amulek is is teaching here is that the atonement is at the center of this great plan, right? Without it, we unavoidably perish. And we perish, I'm just thinking like, you know, from an outside perspective, and we perish because of the fall of Adam and Eve, right? That's when we became subject to these things. Well, yeah, because we we live in a perpetual state of fallenness of sinfulness Mm -hmm. and it's it's the result of living in a fallen world you know we we're not uh we're not cursed we're not just naturally evil but there are certain laws that are in place Mm -hmm. i I think we're going to talk more about that yeah, which they they actually sever our relationship and our access to God. Therefore, an atonement had to be made, mm-hmm. and it not not a atonement or sacrifice of man, neither of beast, neither of any manner of fowl, for it shall not be a human sacrifice. And he, and it's interesting he's saying. Like when we think human sacrifice, we think of like actually sacrificing a human being to some idol or some false god. But think of that verse as saying it's not any sacrifice that a human could make, right? It had to be an infinite and eternal sacrifice. And I wrote in my margins next to that the sacrifice of a god. Yes, and I wrote down um, infinite, like the definition, meaning that it goes on forever. It's unlimited um, in space and time. It's boundless. It's endless. And for eternal, 
I wrote not human <laughs> because this being, which we know is Jesus Christ, right? He was, you know, born of a mortal mother, but born of a, a spiritual father, a God, right? So he was a God. And so that's why he could make it. Like Kevin said, he was um, not only human. No human could have done that. It had to be Jesus Christ, his son, right? And so Kevin touched on this earlier, but there's laws that can halt our progression. And one of that is, one of those laws is the law of justice. And it just exists. It's a law that is just there. Um, and basically, I guess the way you could explain it is to every action you have, there is a, a consequence, right? And mm -hmm. so there's justice that has to be met for things that we do and actions that we take. And so that law of justice just exists and it's there. I guess that's my point. And so the atonement, insert the atonement there. Now the atonement intercedes on our behalf to overcome or answer the demands of justice for maybe actions we committed to then have mercy extended towards us. I hope I explained that well. Yeah, I think you did. Because it can be it can be hard to understand. It took I for me to be able to even say that and like teach it that way took me forever. Cause I really tried to understand it a lot. And it's it's possible to. Well, I think a way to understand this a little bit better is also remembering who Amulek is talking to. Right. And he's talking to people who are living. Contrary. Well, they're, well, no, they're living the law of Moses, mm. sort of not, not, not holy. Right. But they are familiar with the law of Moses and the law of Moses is all about this sort of making amends or making, or, you know, making sacrifice in order to somehow bring your your sins to a point at which okay I've, I've shown that I'm willing to change or that I'm that I'm willing to um, no not not willing to change but willing to give of my substance you know I'm gonna sacrifice this animal so that God will forgive me for my sins that I've committed, right? It's showing this consecration of the most, the most precious of things in a person's life. Well, that law, as Amulek says here in verse 13, it's actually uh, pointing toward well, in 13 and 14, it's pointing toward a great and last sacrifice. In verse 13, I'm just going to read it. He says, therefore, it is expedient that there should be a great and last sacrifice. And then shall there be, or it is expedient that there should be a stop to the shedding of blood. Then shall the law of Moses be fulfilled. Yea, it shall be all fulfilled, every jot and tittle, and none shall have passed away. 
And behold, this is the whole meaning of the law. Every wit pointing to that great and last sacrifice, and that great and last sacrifice will be the Son of God, yea, infinite and eternal. So he's kind of he's kind of putting this all together in terms of hey, there is Christ who will come, he will atone for the sins of his people. Furthermore, the um the purpose of that it's to ensure that all of our all of our paltry sacrifices things that we've been trying to show god that we are uh, penitent right this is actually what all of these small sacrifices are trying to be a type of trying to remind us of christ's coming mm-hmm. I love that. Here in the next few verses, we talk about, or it talks about, we talk about, we're going to talk about it, but it talks about, I feel like how repentance and faith works here. Um, And I don't know if you guys remember, but I love the, and thus we seize in the scriptures and 15 and 16, um, talk about this they have in it and thus we see so in 15 it says and thus he shall bring salvation to all who shall believe on his name and so that's the last sacrifice that kevin was talking about and at the end here it said and bringeth about means unto men that they may have faith unto repentance and then 16 and thus mercy can satisfy the demands of justice and encircle them in the arms of safety while he that exercises no faith unto repentance is exposed to the whole law of the demands of justice. Therefore, only unto him that has faith unto repentance is brought about the great and eternal plan of redemption. So the people that he's talking to here, the Zoramites, right? Let's bring it back to them for a sec. He's saying, as long as you have faith that you can change, and it's in the Savior Jesus Christ, he can take care of it. He can help you change. He can help you repent. And then you're not exposed to the demands of justice that would otherwise otherwise be there. Um, and you're not exposed to them because of him and his atonement. So that's very personal to them. I just wanted to apply that scripture to them. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's also important that, you know, this is the, this isn't the letter of the law. It's the spirit of the law. That Amulek's trying to get across. It's also, um, what was I going to say? It was, oh, it's it's more about this. It's not the outward performances of the law of Moses. It's the inward conversion. And also, you know, they've been teaching these people all along that they don't have to reserve their worship to the synagogue. They can they can work out their own salvation um, in other ways. And so this and and he he ties it together so well here. You know, we've been talking about faith for several chapters or you know for for two different two chapters now yeah but faith is only is only it's only good if you act right 
right? Like you can't just, I taught a lesson on this in Young Women's this week about faith. And it's not just this thing that floats in the air over there. Like, oh, I wish I had faith. <laughs> you know, it's something that you go and you do and you act. Mm-hmm. And um, in this case, what Amulek is teaching and tying all together so beautifully is that um, if you do change and you act on that faith, the desire in your hearts, it will lead to repentance, which is changing, and you'll see that difference in your life. You'll see it begin to change who you are and how you act and all the things. So, I also wanted to say that between verses 15 and 17, you've got Amulek saying faith unto repentance one, two, three, four times. So he's really hammering on it. He's also encouraging them to call upon the name of God, Mm -hmm. right? Or call upon the name of Christ. And this is also very relevant uh, to the Zoramites whose prayers have become less sincere over time. Again, they're, they're a little bit too caught up on the outward performance of prayer. They've been taught about the importance of crying unto God uh, in their in their closet, in their wilderness, so on and so forth. Um, but Amulek, he just he like goes off. Yeah. Between that's, that's a really good way to put it. Between verses eighteen and twenty-five. I would say twenty-seven. Uh, yeah. Yes, twenty-seven. And he just starts to tell them, to encourage them to cry unto God for mercy, to humble themselves and continue in prayer, and then to cry in whichever place they are and over all manner of things, you know, in their fields, over their flocks in their houses, over their household, uh, both morning, midday, and evening, mm-hmm. crying to him against the power of your enemies, and then crying to him against the devil, who is the enemy to all righteousness, crying to him over the crops of your fields that you may prosper in them, and then, you know, more specifically, over their flocks that they may increase. And in verse 26, 26, he says, but this is not all. You must pour out your souls in your closets and your secret places and in your wilderness. And so, you know, th- this isn't this isn't just something that you and I, I feel like that's really putting a cap on it, saying you don't only cry when you when you need something, but you cry or pray to God even even about the very deeply personal things, right? So if I can just share something that my mission president said, he was talking about his five-year-old Santi at the time. And he said, anytime Santi yells, mom, 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 dad, mom, dad, 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 mom, we respond immediately. And I think about that now with Addie, um, all she got to do is make a little peep. And we're like, what are you doing? You know, like we're there to hear 
her happy talk, her irritated, I'm getting irritated talk, um, I'm hungry cry, I'm uncomfortable cry. I mean, we just had an experience this weekend with Addie that she just, she kind of cried in the car. She was somewhere new. We had driven in the car a little while and she just had to cry it out because it was a new thing. And that's what I look at these scriptures as, is like, if we cry like as if we're a little child unto him, he's there to answer and listen. Maybe not answer right away, but he's definitely listening and helping and prospering you as you cry unto him continually. Just as a child cries and, you know, yells for their parents, you're going to respond to that right? I know as a parent, you would. So, and I have no doubt Heavenly Father is listening and responds. And so I just, that's what I thought of when I heard the word cry, because we do hear some crying in our house now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I love the part about um, even crying in your wilderness, which we talked about this kind of this week, but I thought of wilderness being like your trials. Um, but Kevin pointed out to me that I mean, these people are literally in the wilderness, <laughs> so could be literal as well. So, yeah, you know, they, it could be just a reminder that, hey, you, you can also cry out here in the wilderness where you are, you know, cast out, um, cast right. out of your cities. Yeah. Well, if I may. Always. Amulet here in verse 27, he, he changes up his tack. And he talks about, you know, don't, don't just cry into the Lord for your welfare, Mm -hmm. but also for the welfare of those who are around you. And in verse 28, he starts to explain, you know, don't, don't suppose that this is all. That's a, that's a pretty common thing in the Book of Mormon, I feel like. The prophets are always saying that, but this is not all, right? Don't don't feel like you've got it all figured out. And I think that's partly because when you think about it, there are people in this congregation, I think, who probably are like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing that, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm already crying, you know, to the Lord. But that's not all there's actually more and amulet addresses that if um, he says for after ye have done all these things if ye turn away the needy and the naked and visit not the sick and afflicted and in part of your substance if ye have to those who stand in need i say unto you if you do not any of these things behold your prayer is in vain and availeth you nothing and ye are as hypocrites who do deny the faith. And remember, like, I feel like we're a broken record. Remember who Amulek is speaking to. He's talking to the Zoramites. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, and they, they are the poor in spirit and poor in terms of things of the world. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you might be thinking, well, that's, that's interesting. Um, they are the people who are the needy 
and the naked and who need to be imparted to of other substance. So I have something to say also about this. Um, what stood out to me was behold your prayers in vain and availeth you nothing. And ye are as hypocrites who do deny the faith. I link this to Moroni chapter seven, verse six, which is way at the very end of the book of Mormon. And it says, for behold, God hath said a man being evil cannot do that, which is good. For if he offereth a gift or prayeth unto God, except he shall do it with real intent, it profiteth him nothing. So I just linked these two because to me, if you're not doing it with real intent, you are a hypocrite. You're not doing what you should be doing and know you should be doing. And so I just wanted to link those two together, talking what Moroni talks about later on in the Book of Mormon. So, Well, and I, I think that that's really the definition of faith unto repentance. And mm. in verse 30, he says, Amulek does, I would that after ye, ye have received so many witnesses, seeing that the Holy Scriptures testify of these things, ye come forth and bring fruit unto repentance. I, I think that the whole point that Amulek is trying to get across here is that you can change with faith. And this is why you can do it because of your Savior, Jesus Christ. But make sure you're doing it with the right intent. And that even after you do that, don't think you're done. Right? Mm -hmm. Like there's so many little things, but it's also so simple. <laughs> it's not that hard. It's just learning to grasp the concept and then realize what can be done because of our Savior, Jesus Christ. I think sometimes we often, I mean, we ask too, we pause and ask on this podcast, where is Christ in the middle of all this? And he's right smack dab in the middle right here, allowing them to change and repent and do better and be better. Yeah, because, I mean, with without that atonement, um, all of these efforts would be just really good tries. Yeah, that's a good point. But, but it wouldn't be enough. Like, nothing would be enough. Because it's not by our works or our prayers or... You know, no matter how much fruit we bring forth, it's not, you know, that's the whole point. It's like there was no amount of bloodshed of an animal or fowl or even like the blood and sweat of man in order to meet the demands of justice. Like when in, in second Nephi, that, that law, which is affixed, right? Mm -hmm. So to me, it just, it just shows how powerful the atonement of Jesus Christ is. 
It's infinite, it's eternal, and it's never going away, and it's a gift to all, always. It will never not be there because he already suffered through in the Garden of Gethsemane and on the cross, and he lives. You know, Easter's coming up this next Sunday. This is a beautiful uh, chapter to think about that with Easter coming up. And knowing that he lives, we just watched a beautiful video the church put out um, about our Savior living again and why, because he lives, what we're able to do, what that victory means for all of us. I think what I want to kind of wrap up here today is there in verse 31. And I'll just read it. Amulek says, Yea, I would that ye would come forth and harden not your hearts any longer. For behold, now is the time and the day of your salvation. And therefore, if you will repent and harden not your hearts, immediately shall the great plan of redemption be brought about unto you. And what what I really love about that verse is that it is... Like salvation is a free gift. It's given to every person, both those who have uh, died not knowing the name of Jesus Christ, those who will come after. And so, and thus an infinite atonement, mm-hmm. right? But that it's, it's immediate. He says, immediately shall the great plan of redemption be brought about unto you. And it's really our choice to let that happen. Um, the, the exhortation to not harden our hearts and to not wait, uh, procrastinating the day of our repentance, which is what we're going to talk about mm-hmm. next time a lot. Um, I think, I think this is really a good spot to, to stop because as we continue, Amulek is going to be talking about this preparation, this mm-hmm. this probation that we're in and the purpose of this life and all the things that we can, we can, well, the fruit that we can bring forth in this life, mm-hmm. which although it's not in any way going to, it's not, it's not earning our way to heaven. It's not in and of itself. It's not meeting the demands of justice, but at the same time, so important, so important for us to do for our own personal growth. Like, well, because it's producing faith and action, right? And you're building testimony and you just, these things, he doesn't just ask us to produce faith into action and repentance because you know it's good for you no he does it because it's an eternal thing Hmm. you know like it is for your own good your soul to develop even after this life which is why in the beginning i said i think it's so critical to understand the plan of salvation in order to even understand this chapter like if you just listen to this whole podcast and you're like man that made no sense to me well then i would invite you to study the plan of salvation from the very beginning 
with why we're even here. Like, where do we come from? (laughs) And then understand that to understand what you need to do here on earth. So, yeah, (laughs) I guess that's why I brought it up in the first place. Well, yeah. And I mean, there's certainly um, some great study materials on that. Mm -hmm. Um, That's that's actually probably not a, uh, a bad idea to to study some of those materials for mm-hmm. our discussion starting in verse 32 and taking us through the rest of the chapter and, and into chapter 35. So, yeah, I mean, at the beginning of this, this conversation, um, I was kind of like, well, we've kind of talked about it before, so we don't really need to go too much into it. I think that although we may not, we may not need to lay it out <clears throat> completely next mm-hmm. time. I think coming into it with a good, firm... Just an understanding. Like, like a familiarization with, especially like Preach My Gospel, Lesson mm-hmm. 2, yeah, would be helpful. Mm-hmm. And so that's my study, because I've already read the rest of the chapter. <laughs> right. I've already studied um, into chapter 35. So for next episode, mm-hmm. I'm going to work on that. I'm going to study Preach My Gospel, Lesson 2. I invite you all to do the same. I accept. All right. <laughs> um, I know I've talked a lot, but I do want to give a shout out to our sister podcast, which is Conference Talk. Uh, it's ramping up. New season. A new season. We just did our conference. Well, we did our conference recap this last week which y'all heard on, on episode 123. But we had the opportunity to record a podcast with a whole bunch of saints from all over the country. And we all discussed our, uh, our impressions from general conference. I just want to say for posterity's sake, all over the country means California, Utah, Texas, Tennessee, Missouri. Yeah. Pretty cool spread there. I just had to make a make a note of that. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. Go check it out, y'all. You can find that by just typing in Conference Talk into Spotify. That's how I generally can bring it up pretty easily. But then you can also go to conferencetalk.org and you can get all the links there. Yep. All right, y'all. Bye. See you next time.